today on Spiritual Awakening Radio, meet a vegan Rumi, the Sufi poet mystic. My name is James Bean. Welcome to the short podcast edition of Spiritual Awakening Radio. I am excited to be able to claim the popular and often quoted Sufi poet mystic Ja'aladin Rumi for the vegan community. Says Rumi, I have existence and I value it so much. So have all the beings on earth and they too try to preserve it. Then how can I kill even the tiniest creature just to satiate my palate? Even a seemingly lifeless stone has a degree of consciousness. Respect it. To me, even milk is forbidden. Look at all animals as you look at humans. If we consume an animal, its blood and gore will make us act like a slaughterer. We began as mineral, we emerged into plant life and into the animal state, and then into being human. And always we have forgotten our former states, except in early spring when we slightly recall being green again, says Rumi. Some reflections on these veg or even vegan verses of Rumi and how this ties into vegetarianism and the world religions. Some reflections on early Christianity as well. How you can go from a veg spiritual movement to having it being turned into a pro-meat movement a few generations later. Meat consumption or carnism being part of an oppressive system of denial and cruelty in the area of mainstream institutional religions relies heavily on ignorance, outdated Sunday school notions or assumptions, and avoidance of lesser known sacred texts. In order to maintain the illusion of meat-eating messiahs, Buddhas, and spiritual masters, we see this all the time. With Christianity, for instance, so many are biblical mythicists and skeptical textual critics of the New Testament, except when it comes to those loaves with fishes. Then all of a sudden they become scripture-quoting believers, using a scripture as a proof text to settle the matter. They come to life there with their citation of verses about loaves with fishes. A couple of references to loaves and fishes with the young disciples of Jesus in the minds of some are elevated into some imagined everlasting apostolic fish company of Galilee, while ignoring most of the Gospels and literature of the Hebrew Christians or Ebionites about the various apostles, the rest of the story, who they became, the diet that they eventually adopted and followed and taught as part of the ethics of the spiritual path they adopted. An assumption of Rumi and other major Sufi poets being halal or following a, essentially in a, a kind of kosher diet has also been used to provide cover for carnism or meat-eating. 
in that situation. The notion put forth goes something like this. If Rumi was an advanced mystic or master or master of the light and sound, and he ate meat, then what's the big deal then? But what if the assumption that Sufi poets like Rumi must have followed a halal pro-meat diet is another one of those carnistic false assumptions promoted by later pro-meat religious sects in the same way pro-meat Roman Christianity had its fish symbol canonized certain gospels popular with the school of the Apostle Paul while marginalizing the other apostles and banning Ebionite gospels labeling them as heretical. The orthodox religions of the world have always been great at rigging the curriculum and manipulating history, practicing revisionist history. They suppress the evidence, ban or burn books, and even hold libraries, including Ebionite gospels, vegetarian verses, Gnostic and other mystical texts. And then they shout, hey, where's the evidence? The evidence that they took away is what they're referring to there, of course. See my article, Evidence that Jesus and the original Aramaic Christians were vegetarians. I also have a podcast about this. And those later references, which were no longer about loaves with fishes, but verses like this, James was a vegetarian. A quote from the scholar Robert Eisenman in his book, James, the Brother of Jesus. James, the brother of the Lord, lived on seeds and plants and touched neither meat nor wine. A quote from an early church historian. John never ate meat, according to the book of Eusebius, known as History of the Church, Volume 2. The Apostle Matthew partook of seeds and nuts, hard-shelled fruits, and vegetables without fruit, a quote from Clement of Alexandria. Peter said in the Clementine homilies, I live on olives and bread, to which I rarely only add vegetables. The Clementine homilies, the Ebionite writings, are written not from a Roman pro-Paul Gentile point of view, but from a Jerusalem point of view. No more references to eating fish or eating meat, all strictly vegetarian references in the Ebionite scriptures. There have been many pro-veg spiritual movements in Mesopotamia and Persia, including Sufis. The following is excerpted from a New Delhi Times article on the vegetarianism of Rumi, actually vegan, as you'll see from the passage they quote from Rumi about him shunning even milk and milk products. At the age of 12, Rumi, born in a Muslim halal or meat-eating world, halal means some meats are viewed as unclean, but other meats are deemed to be okay. At the age of 12, Rumi, born in a Muslim meat-eating world, wrote this quatrain and became a vegetarian for life. Rumi said, I have existence and I value it so much. 
So have all the beings on earth, and they too try to preserve it. Then how can I kill even the tiniest creature, just to satiate my palate? Rumi believed that all lives were sacred, saying, even a seemingly lifeless stone has a degree of consciousness respected. Rumi was a staunch vegetarian and shunned even milk and milk products, saying, quote, to me, even milk is forbidden, unquote. Rumi refrained from sacrificing animals as an Islamic ritual. Rumi said, look at all animals as you look at humans. This is paramount. This is of paramount importance. This creates sensitivity that further blossoms into universal empathy. The sanctity of every life is to be saved and preserved. Rumi writes that what we eat directly influences our thinking. If we consume an animal, its blood and gore will make us act like a slaughterer. Rumi said, we began as mineral, we emerged into plant life and into the animal state, and then into being human. And always we have forgotten our former states, except in early spring when we slightly recall being green again. Those veg verses of Rumi can be found in a book called Rumi Selected Poems, published by Penguin UK. When Rumi died, his body was interred and a shrine was erected over his place of burial. His epitaph reads, When we are dead, seek not our tomb in the earth, but find it in the hearts of men. If you'd like to receive a copy of this article, a link to this article in the New Delhi Times about the veg or even vegan verses of Jaaladin Rumi, if you'd like to receive a link to my podcast and my article on the vegetarianism of the Jesus movement, Listen for my contact information at the end of today's podcast. When I saw those veg verses of Rumi, I thought, at last, this is going to become a blog. And I'm also turning this into a podcast and sharing it with all my listeners. Now, most Sufi orders these days are halal, or essentially following a kind of kosher diet, a meat diet, where certain meats are considered okay, even if others are considered unclean. Are there Sufi orders following the halal diet these days? Indeed, most of them do eat meat. Most of them do follow the traditional Muslim halal diet. Most of them are halal, except for the Bawa Muhayyadeen group. Bawa Muhayyadeen taught vegetarianism. Bawa Muhayyadeen was the spiritual teacher of Coleman Barks also. Coleman Barks, you know, the translator of all those great Rumi poetry books. Bauer Mahayadeen's group is Veg. And there likely must be a few other Veg Sufi orders out there too, but probably only a small number of them. So how does this work? Rumi was Veg, perhaps even vegan, 
and the Sufi order he founded might have began that way. But as we've seen with other religious movements of the past, you know, Buddhism, the Sikhs, and early Christianity when it became dominated by the Romans, gradually over time, as the masses join a group swelling its ranks, the dietary customs they bring with them will take over and dominate. In this case, the halal diet of the Muslim majority. That's how it works. That's what happened. You know, in early Christianity, you have this Hebrew, Aramaic-speaking Jesus movement that went, went vegetarian, followed, adopted the vegetarian diet. But then, you know, millions of Romans showed up, and they had a very different orientation, and they made different uh, choices for Scripture. And even the way that they translated certain verses tended to marginalize the other apostles and to promote a meat-eating ethic. But, you know, even in the New Testament itself, the letters of Paul were written sometime prior to 50 A.D., in the middle of the first century A.D., pretty early, the earliest material of the New Testament, in fact. And in his letters, the Apostle Paul was arguing with vegetarian Christians. One may observe, one may notice. Hey, who are those vegetarian Christians in the middle of the first century A.D. that Paul is arguing with? So we don't even need extra-canonical, apocryphal writings of the Ebionites to notice that there are vegetarian Christians in existence prior to 50, maybe even 40, who knows, right there in the middle of the first century being talked about by the Apostle Paul. So you have religions flip from veg to vegan. You know, you can have a veg Buddha or vegetarian, pro-veg, Guru Nanak. And yet, many Sikhs these days are meat eaters. Many Buddhists are eating meat. You know, they just, um, the majority that signs up, that converts, swells the ranks, they bring their diet with them. And that's how you can have what was originally a vegetarian movement get transformed into a pro-meat movement. Whether it's the Mevlevis of Sufism, early Christianity, Buddhism, and uh, many Sikhs eat meat these days. That's how that process works. That's how you flip from an original veg movement to a pro-meat movement. You know, as a, a lot of people come and, and join a religion, bringing their diet with them. Well, thanks for joining me today on Spiritual Awakening Radio, a program about meeting a vegan Rumi, the great Sufi poet mystic, those veg verses of Rumi. If you'd like to receive a link to the New Delhi Times article on the vegetarian verses of Rumi, if you'd like to receive a link to my podcast on the vegetarianism of early Christianity and my article on the vegetarianism of early Christianity, if you'd like to receive a link to my podcast on the vegetarian verses of the Sikh scriptures of India, 
any of those things, just send me an email at this address, james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. Or if you prefer, you can text me at this number, 508-603-9381. Visit my website, spiritualawakeningradio.com. There is a donate button at the website. And it's great sharing these programs each and every week. And, I, and I'm very glad to share these veg verses of Rumi. You know, that's something new that I hadn't encountered before, the vegetarianism of Ja'aladin Rumi, the great Sufi poet mystic. Thanks for joining me today. See you again next time for another edition of Spiritual Awakening Radio. Mm-hmm.